Hello and welcome to this week's Behind the Sounds. I have all the way from Nashville today, Jason Science with me. Hello, how are you? I am great, how are you? Yeah, very well, thank you. Um, we were just kind of chatting about how things are slightly getting back to normal in Nashville. Um, so what are you doing? Are you still kind of writing from home or are you getting a bit out there a bit more? Yeah, no, I think, I mean, uh, uh, yeah, it's, 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 most of us, most of my friends are still doing the Zoom writing thing, which mm -hmm. is, you know, I think kind of all of us are used to it and tired of it, but still, I mean, there's some really good things happening with like, just being able to do this. It's, it's, it's a lot easier than, than um, it's, it's a lot easier to get a hold of each other because none of us have anything to do. So it's a, <laughs> yeah. let's finish that song um, tomorrow. Yeah, let's do that because you have nothing to do either. Um, but yeah, most of us are still kind of in quarantine. There's a little bit more things um, like opening up restaurants, like I think at half capacity right now. Yeah. But, but how about you guys? Are you guys still completely locked down? Uh, yeah, pretty much. We're, we're, we're getting there. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. Slowly but surely. So, yeah, it's all good. So, how long now have you been in Nashville? Oh, 2007? 2000, yeah, 2007. So, do the math. Was that 13 years? 12, 13 years? <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, Taylor Swift's like lucky 13, hopefully. Yeah, there you go. Um, so, what was it? Was it always kind of when you decided you wanted to make music? Was it always kind of, I want to go to Nashville? That's the place. Or did you kind of toy with other places as well? Um, yeah, I mean, I think Nashville was always kind of, uh, Nashville was always kind of it for me. Um, ever since I was like a, a, a child, you know, other kids would go to like Disneyland or Disney World. My parents would take us to Memphis and Nashville and to Music Row. So um, it's kind of their fault <laughs> that, that we, I ended up here. But um, no, yeah, I think Nashville was always the end goal. Um, I spent some time in Austin, Texas, which is another like music, yeah, music capital um, of U.S. I know that, but um, it's a really cool town. But I spent some time under this guy uh, studying, obviously music at the University of Texas, so that's why I was there. Right. But um, I happened to like score a chance to um, uh, kind of intern and work for this guy named Bruce Robinson. Nice. Uh, He's an amazing lyricist. Like he's had, he wrote Traveling Soldier um, by the Dixie yeah. Chicks all by himself. He wrote it Angry All the Time, which was a number one song for Tim McGraw. Mm -hmm. um, just some amazing songs. Um, so yeah, I think even he kind of turned me to Nashville because I think if you're gonna be a writer, it's just the best place to be, you know? Yeah. And as some of the best writers I've ever, uh, I mean, spending time in LA and New York and, there's just a story factor to how Nashville does things. It's it's a beautiful thing, you know. Yeah, definitely. Um, so what when you first started, like when you moved to Nashville, obviously you were saying you kind of interned a bit, but what did you do to start out? Did you like play gigs or did you just try to find other people to write with? Did you have I, a plan? No, and uh, no. Unfortunately, I was just young and stupid, right? Like uh, <laughs> I didn't have a plan. I knew. I knew another person uh, who went to college with me. Her name was Melissa, and she happened to work. She, I mean, while I was still in Texas, she um, started moving her ranks through uh, Nashville, and she was an A and R person by the time I got here. Right. So um, it was really nice to have someone. That I think she kind of helped me like get my 
uh, get my feet wet with, is that the right term? <laughs> but uh, I know what you mean, <laughs> yeah. Going on everything, like, uh, it was, that was really cool. I didn't have a plan. She would just tell me, like, I got a crappy job, like, at a bank. Worst bank teller ever, by the way. <laughs> and, uh, and, but she would call me in, like, every two weeks. You know, we were best friends, and uh, she would just say, like, hey, here's, here's a CD of everything that we're listening to right now that we love. And I just remember thinking like it was a, it was a CD with Chris Stapleton demos on it, Hillary Lindsay demos, and Sean McConnell. And I remember thinking, oh hell, this <laughs> is gonna be so hard if you gotta be this good. Yeah. Uh, but it was it was such a great that I think that's kind of I didn't have a plan, just kind of started bouncing around, finding your people. You know, um, I always tell young writers it really is worth the time and the effort. You might take a few years to like, just go to bars and have a beer and meet someone, meet another songwriter who might turn into like lifelong songwriters, you know? I met my buddies, Brent Cobb and um, Neil Medley. I mean, we were all just babies. <laughs> and Well, drunk babies, because we were just getting hammered all the time on like Music Row in a, and just starting to write songs, you know, in a, and I met my like forever friends and writers in like the first couple of years, you know. Yeah. So yeah. when did it start to go from, was it always quite serious for you? Were you always there? Like, this is it. I want to be a writer or was it kind of fun at first and then turned into, right, need to get serious here. What was yeah. like, the vibe like? Uh, that's funny. Uh, that's a good question. Cause, uh, I think I was always, even since I was like a little kid, I always just wrote things down, I think. Um, and I, unfortunately, I don't know if I do a lot of things for fun anymore. I, like I just, uh, I remember thinking like, God, I really like this feeling of writing something and being creative mm -hmm. and, then, and then wanting, I'm, I'm a pretty goal oriented person. Enneagram three, if you don't know what that stuff's all about. But, um, but um, yeah, no, it, it, was, it was always pretty serious. Like I, I loved like getting to study under Bruce Robinson, for instance, mm -hmm. like and seeing what his life was like. I was like, well, I want that. Yeah. Like, you know, it was, it was amazing. I got to see what, um, you know, he would, he would go out and play Thursday, Fridays and Saturday nights and, and to see people sing songs back. And he wasn't even like, he was just a songwriter that he was, they were singing his George Strait hits back to him and his traveling soldier back to him. And everyone in the room knew every word. And I was like, I fell in love with what that might feel like, you know? So I think I always kind of took it seriously. Mm -hmm. It's super fun, obviously. It's like, this shouldn't be a job. No. Like, it's, it's, it's really, I mean, that's my office back there, you know? So it's like, it's guitars and beer somewhere, so. Uh, a good job <laughs> yeah it's amazing it's an amazing job so when when did you officially start music full-time because I'm assuming when you first moved you had kind of the odd obviously you were saying bank teller and things like that but when did it hit that you were going to do it full-time and you kind of were able to yeah I think uh so I moved in 2007 2010 was my first publishing deal yeah and, and I was I got really lucky um it was a little bit before that, which was great. I had gotten my first cut ever um, when I didn't have a publishing deal. Yeah. I had written a song with my buddy Adam Hood, who we still write to this day, forever friends, like I said. Um, 
and uh, Frank Liddell was his publisher. Frank, who produces like Miranda Lambert. And, yeah. And, uh, Frank uh, happens to be married to Leanne Womack. And uh, he loved the song. And he, I mean, it was funny. And like, he didn't know I, I, I you know, we were just buddies because we are both, uh, we both went to the University of Texas. But he would always, I would just kind of be around Carnival Music Publishing. And he was just like, you write songs, don't you? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. And he was like, do you write that one song? It's called, uh, yeah, I forgot what the song is called, actually. I'll think of it in a second. But he ended up pitching it to his wife. And she cut it with like, Tony Brown. I remember the moment. I remember thinking it was so real because uh, that was the moment I knew it was going to happen. Uh, someone called the assistant for Tony Brown called me uh, 2010 and it was like, hey, we need Tony needs the, the lyrics. Um, here's his email. Um, can you double check the lyric and send it to over because Leanne's cutting it right now. And I was just like, just shake like. I thought spelling like Tony Brown or entertainment.com was just, it took me two hours to do it felt like, you know, uh, but that's when it, that's when it really turned. And then after that, just a publishing deal, um, uh, came after that. I signed with them with a, with Mark Bride yeah. and, um, in a, and I met my publisher in that deal. Her name's Stephanie Green. Mm-hmm. And she's been, we've been working together since. So she hasn't been able to get rid of me for 10 years. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, she's kind of my champ, you know, so she literally knows, I think every word and piece of music that I've ever written from, wow. from then. Yeah. Amazing. I mean, if you're going to have anyone to have your first cousin, Leanne Womack's pretty high up. Yeah, that what was... was that like just when you obviously, cause I know, when artists get songs, it can sometimes take a while for them to actually cut it and release it. So what was it like when you actually kind of first heard it for the first time? Oh, it was awesome. Uh, it, it, it was, what was the funniest thing about that is I, I, I've heard it, I've heard the cut. That actually, that, that record didn't come out, which was, which bummed me out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, 10, like not 10 years, nine years later, I ended up getting another Leanne Womack cut with, yeah. With Brent Cobb. Um, but going back to that first song, we didn't know it wasn't going to, I mean, you know, but uh, I had heard it and it was hearing her voice on anything is anything that you've done is one of the most, like, she's one of the most amazing, beautiful country voices I think I've ever heard. Um, so I, and th- that was a great moment for me knowing like I did it, you know, like, and we're both Texans, me and Leanne. So yeah. I just had a, a really good connection with her and she was great. And honestly, the first time I actually heard her sing our song, we were at Frank's uh, hanging out like at like a Halloween party or and we were all just having beers around uh, the kitchen table and there was a guitar and me and Adam, uh, someone asked us to play the song and I, I was singing the second verse and Leanne started singing background vocals. And Amazing. I about pissed myself. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, it's a, it was an incredible moment like in time for me to have that first one, you know? Yeah, definitely. And kind of, I'm gonna jump forward a little bit here. Yeah. You've, you've written with so many people and had like, so many cuts in the last 10 years. Uh, 
four people we, we have to talk about, we can't not. Uh, Little Big Town. So three cuts on three of their last five records. So Pavement Ends, which was on Tornado, Stay All Night on Painkiller, and then most recently Trouble With Forever, which is on Nightfall. What is it like? They are they are renowned for being like the nicest people in Nashville, the best people to work with. What is it like working with them and knowing them? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, they're amazing. It wouldn't be great if I was just like said the other thing. Just... <laughs> Just, just one guy in the world that said that, but I, I can't. No, they're, they're amazing people. Uh, it, it, they gave me, I mean, honestly, they gave me my, like, first big shot. Yeah. And I'll never, ever not thank them for that. You know, um, Pavement was such a huge leap forward in my career, you know. Um, mm -hmm. It was a, that was one of those things that me and, I think me and Brent, that was me and Brent Cobb's first write together. Oh, wow, really? That was our first ride. I remember it lasted 10 hours. Because <laughs> uh, we were like, that's when we became like buddies, you know? Yeah. Um, and then you realize, you know, he's a Georgia guy. I'm a Texas guy. We were writing a song about a dirt road, which is not new in country. But <laughs> the way we did it, and it just felt like no matter where he's from or where I'm from, we were kind of writing, we were kind of just writing about the same dirt road. And it was really cool and it was yeah. really fun. But uh, no, um, back to Little Big Town, they're awesome. Like, yeah. they're just a great hang. They're fun to write with. Uh, and they're prolific. Like, they yeah. make great song choices. I mean, who saw Girl Crush come in? Like, that's just, uh, they, I mean, you could quit after that and be like, I'm still dope, like 30 years later, you yeah. know? And then they come with like better man. I mean, they're just amazing. Yeah. They've always been good at great song choices. I, a little biased, but you know, uh, all the records are great. I mean, everything that this Nightfall is a beautiful record. And the few that I mean with Jay Joyce before that were just, just like, just so cool. Tornado was, I felt like a game changer. Yeah, so I was going to say, you, you said kind of Pavement Ends was a game changer for you, but I think for them as well, I mean, Pontoon was their first number one, and they've been a band for 20 years at that point, so to be a part of that record as well, when they literally blew up even more after that, what was that like? I didn't know it was their first number one. I think so, yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. What was the question about after that, though? What was it like being part of that record in particular, because that was, for them, at the time that was their biggest record uh when pontoon came out i just remember thinking oh this song's huge mm -hmm. and obviously like there's some great people that wrote that song and it's just great writers and uh yeah when that when that record came out i remember they held a like a listing party for the writers and it was like oh my gosh i was like i don't know if i should be here uh it was you know hillary and luke laird and chris stapleton and all these like Lori, just everyone that yeah. could be there, you know. Um, but when Pontoon came out, I remember it's back when records were still like it was right before, like right when the streaming thing was happening. But I think yeah. they had sold like a hundred and ten thousand records in the first week. Mm -hmm. Went gold in a few weeks, yeah. and I mean Pontoon was a monster, yeah. um, and uh, and it was just yeah, and so. And they could play that. That's one of those records I felt like you could just play back and forth and not skip any, you know. It was such a great record. Definitely. Um, 
and then kind of pain i mean we're saying like tornado was their biggest album and then came painkiller which yeah. was even bigger um obviously had girl crush in but one of and i i know a lot of little big town fans will join me in saying that stay all night which is the song you co-write yeah one of the best songs they perform live oh. i I know they, I've seen them live play it. I know they did it at CMA Fest and they've done it at various shows. I think I've heard them say how much they love playing it. So yeah. was that your first write that you did with Jimmy and Philip of the, of the band? That actually was. Yeah, yeah. I, now just th thinking about it, that was the first time me and Brent, who we had written Pavement, mm -hmm. um, we only wrote with them for Painkiller maybe twice. Mm -hmm. The first song we wrote was Stay All Night. Um, yeah, that, that was, um, that was, um, I, I mean, Jimmy and Philip on that thing. I mean, and everything that the girls added, if you were to hear like the work tape versus like what they did to it yeah. now, or the demo, I remember thinking like after I demoed it, uh, Brent Cobb sang the, sang the demo vocals. And, uh, and I just remember walking out of the studio being like, I feel dope. That is great. <laughs> I was like. I don't know what they're gonna do, but that's gonna be hard. I mean, that's. I mean, we went after it on the demo, and I'll send it to you. You're gonna. I think you're gonna love it. Yeah. But um, and I remember Jimmy calling me, uh, and he. I guess they had just like ran out from the uh, public's parking lot and got into their truck to listen to it, and it was him and Karen on the phone, and they were like, "Dude, it was like four minutes after I sent it to them." Amazing. Uh, you know. So. Um, but yeah, no, that, I mean, what they did to it, and Jay Joyce is a producer god, you know, like, uh, I didn't, I, the first time I ever heard the cut, I was sitting in an A&R meeting, and they played me the first 20 seconds, or first 10 seconds, and I was like, this is, no, this is not it, this, go, this, that's not my mind. Yeah. And then uh, I heard the intro when they go, wish we could yeah. stay up. And I was like, oh my God, that's our song. Uh, <laughs> But I mean, it was how it, what it transformed into was their live thing, like mm -hmm. their explosive energy, you know, as far as a band goes and their harms and the way the girls hold out the last note. And, yeah. And just seeing what they could do with, like they played it on the ACMs and, and Fallon with horns. Yeah. And I was like, that's just cool, you know? <laughs> It really is so cool. Um, yeah. I love that song so much for, I mean, and that was a, such a great co-write. We had a blast in, you know, just boys being boys for like four out, like mm -hmm. more than that. But it was so, it was so much fun. Yeah. And it's interesting you say how different it sounds from like demo to, to what they released. Cause that's one of the things I think about Little Big Town. They're so good at a song that you've heard a hundred times over they'll change it up i know like when obviously you were just saying about girl crush was big i remember then they did it with strings and they did it with this and that and they just switched things up so to hear like as you said like the magic that they put on it must have been so cool oh it really is like seeing them i remember being in the studio um for painkiller they were at like jay's jay joyce's uh church studio which is as cool as you can think it is um yeah. and i i just remember like so we were doing a few we did a few days where songwriters would come in and while they were making the record we were still writing at the church 
So it was like, you know, like Natalie would have the girls upstairs while Jay was uh, riding with them. And then Jay would come downstairs and me, Philip and Jimmy would be riding. And it was just like the coolest vibe ever because uh, the whole studio just felt like you're in the seventies and everything was just like red and blue and so many lights and so many salt lamps everywhere. And it just felt very creative and seeing them like, literally finish writing and go upstairs and and start record their recording process i think jay said he would record their vocals uh at about the time that they would play live shows wow so yeah. seven or eight p.m they were basically like playing a live show upstairs yeah. in the big room amazing. yeah and it was amazing it was amazing to watch it was just so much energy it was yeah. very very cool so obviously so you had two hits with them with those two songs which are i mean i think philip uh sorry jimmy sang lead on both of them and then philip on sterile night as well yeah. kind of flipping from that really high energy fast-paced songs and then you turn up on nightfall with trouble with forever which is literally the most heartbreaking song ever <laughs> um i mean obviously that says a lot for you as a writer to be able to switch it up like that and for them as a band can you talk me through that song because as i said it is just a heartbreaker yeah no it's i that's that honestly is like the biggest compliment for a guy who i'm more i'm i, I lean more to the more emotional writing of things mm -hmm. like i i you know sad songs are my rap songs they just get me so fired up yeah um, but yes, uh, I wrote that with Sarah Hayes and Mark Beeson, mm -hmm. who uh, I, I, that was the, I had written with Hazy. We call her Hazy for, um, I mean, for, for four or five years, and uh, and it's in in just a beautiful voice, melody, lyric. She's great at everything, and that was the first time it, we had ever written together with Mark Beeson. I, I hadn't Sarah had written with him before, but that combo was new. Yeah, and uh, I remember. I had a forever title, but Mark, I think, had the trouble with forever. I remember just thinking, oh, we have a forever title today. Like, we should chase that. And uh, and, and that was originally, I think, Mark's title. Um, and we started chasing it. And he had this beautiful guitar thing that started moving down. And it didn't feel, at first, it didn't, It the demo doesn't even feel very country. Mm -hmm. uh, it feels a little just songwritery cool. And, yeah. Yeah, we finished it in one day and uh, I mean and most of the time my role as a lyricist like especially with Sarah mm -hmm. is the line's not done until she cries a little bit yeah uh, if when she gets a little teary after you say something cool like that second verse was just like hard to write about like that stuff like divorce basically mm -hmm. uh, the first verse uh, yeah it was it was just a beautiful like I mean I think I felt like we wrote it in two and a half hours Wow. Um, the it, there's so much like it's a true co-write when so much of each of us is in that song yeah um, it's really cool i mean just all of us you know going through marriages and and breakups and loss of life i mean that that, that last verse is, is about mark's parents yeah um, and uh yeah, I, it was heartbreak. He actually told us that story while we were about to write that last verse. 
and I, I, I know, I know Sarah did too, but I just remember saying, we have to do that. Mm-hmm. We have to put that in there. And I was like, is that going to be too hard? And he was like, no, let's give it a shot. Yeah. And that song, it, it, and I remember thinking it was, I felt it was special. Um, and I know speaking to Sarah basically all the time, I was like, that's, there's something to this one. Like, uh, it's really, really beautiful. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, that, that, that hook, Mark, and just all, how everyone got there. And, you know, it's that aha moment. Yeah. Of going, oh, man. <laughs> we, need, we all need a drink after that hook. Yeah. So. <laughs> and yeah. I, um, I spoke to Hilary Reynolds, who co-wrote on Next Year, and we spoke about the song on the series. And we basically said it's one of them songs where every time you listen to it, there's someone different you think of. And that's what I think so great about it is that it just resonates with so many people. Yeah. Um, but was it was it written for Little Big Town or was it just a general co-write and then it kind of found its way because it works so perfectly ending the record. Yeah, no, it wasn't. It wasn't a Little Big Town thing. It was um, it was just we were just writing. We were just trying to write the best song that we could. And I think at that at that time, I that's the first time I met Mark. We just everyone just hit it off mm-hmm. and we were just trying to write just a beautiful like three-part story kind of song i didn't even i, I like I, it actually sat around for like i would say like two or three months like my publisher stephanie like ran out the door with it uh <laughs> but it's really hard to get a ballad cut these days you yeah. know with the artist wanting to write those things but um but we just knew we had something in a yeah, it's just one morning i was kind of drinking coffee and listening to songs and I knew um I knew they were like starting to think about obviously talking to Jimmy and everything all the time um that they were thinking about it and I I just listened to it one morning and I was like I wonder if this is a little big town thing mm-hmm. uh, and it felt like the our demo sounded kind of super country yeah and so I just took a shot texted Jimmy and was like hey man I just like this a lot and uh here you know here's a song uh tell me to f off if you want all good <laughs> uh, and uh and so I texted it to him and then I called Sarah and we were scheming and I was like hey send this to Karen too by the way yeah. like you, send, you send it to Karen I got Jimmy and then 10 minutes later like that we were getting calls and Karen and Jimmy were like don't pitch it. It's ours. Don't. Yeah. What's what's the deal with this? Who's the publishers? Who's the other writer? Like we want it. Lock it down. And that was like I think one of the first one or two. I think next to you was like one of the first two things they did for Nightfall. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask. So obviously you just said Sarah. You were like get Karen involved. So she had another cut on the record as well. With yeah, questions right. Is probably on par with one of my favorites of the record so did she have that cut already do you know or no they actually trouble wrote first yeah we wrote trouble with forever first and i think uh they all had like a beach retreat that yeah. sarah's publishers um uh like hosted and i think like brothers osborne's uh those guys were there and mm-hmm. and uh, jimmy and or the whole band i think philip i think every everyone went in him they all went down to the beach and I think Sarah got paired up with John Green, who's a Englishman. Yeah. Uh, oh, fantastic. 
guy. That guy's amazingly talented and a good human being. Uh, but yeah, so I think they wrote questions with Karen that, that trip. Oh, and, nice. Yeah, because I remember Sarah and I and my buddy Todd Clark, um, we wrote another song with them uh, with Jimmy and Philip. And right when we, when we were writing that, I think they finally, they told Sarah that they were like cutting it, like questions and stuff. Mm -hmm. But we wrote another song that day that they cut. Um, it didn't, it's a banger and I love it. It's a, it's a duet uh, called Nobody Breaks a Heart. Um, and, and it was like Sarah and Jimmy singing this, this like a lover's duet, but it's just so much fun. It kind of reminds me of Slow Hands but for country, it's mm -hmm. really cool. Awesome. Yeah, no, I'm excited to, to well, see Maybe what we'll hear it one day. Yeah, I mean, that's what deluxe albums are for. You mm -hmm. know, no extra hidden gems. Uh, I bother him every month about it. <laughs> well, I look forward to hearing it, hopefully. Um, so obviously you were just saying, like, very country. You've you've dabbled completely in the pop world too. Uh, one, of, one song that was kind of pretty big, Gavin DeGraw, who's huge she sets the city on fire so tell us a bit about how that all came about and how you kind of made that move from nashville to because i know he he kind of is back and forth in nashville a little bit as well yeah. but yeah. It, was it an la thing or how did it actually, work actually no it was a i so that's what's so great about having a an amazing publisher my publisher is my publisher is my manager as well she's like one of my besties, uh, she, at that point in country music, I think it was a few years ago, it, it had turned to kind of like a, like a little bro-y kind of thing. And I just wasn't good at it. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, and I mean, I've tried, but I just couldn't like really nail it down. And, uh, and Stephanie, as any good publisher should like think about, like she was so good about like thinking, I think he's bored. Uh, I want, and, and she knew how much I just loved pop music, and, um, and uh, she, a buddy of mine, one of my really good friends, Todd Clark, um, we'd, he's a pop producer, but we'd always tried to write country songs, and, uh, and they were always cool, and, uh, but Stephanie, one day, just was like, hey, you guys need to write a pop song, that's no country, I want to hear what you guys come up with, because that's, Todd's big strength mm -hmm. and uh, and I just tried to apply lyrics to what he was doing and uh, yeah and so that was the first time we ventured into pop songs and um, it turned out to be the Gavin thing and yeah. uh, and so Todd's Todd's publisher was a um, also a producer and he heard what we had been working on the chorus and we had we had uh, the workings of she sets the city on fire I had the idea for the like longest time and um, somehow, it, somehow his producer got it to Gavin, and then we all started collaborating on it. And in in the pop world, it happened so fast, mm -hmm. and we weren't even like done with the song. And the label was like, "This is the single." Yeah. And uh, and I'm sitting here like, because in the country world, it takes like a year for a song to come out, mm -hmm. wait for it to make the record. What's the single going to be like? And in pop, it's like, "This is dope. It's going to come out tomorrow." Yeah. Uh, so it was it was so exciting because I've never and that really like busted a lot of doors down 
for for me for all of us actually you know because it 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 did really well and yeah and then I got addicted to watching charts <laughs> you know I was just like uh waking up every day going yes it moved 30 spins today um, yeah. But, um but yeah it was it it that it she was the one who really pushed the pop writing and mm -hmm. uh, and since then she's you know opened so many doors for me because of that one write and, yeah. and me and my buddy now we write all the time for pop acts that come through Nashville or I go to LA or London mm -hmm. and just write, you know, emotional, cool stuff. Yeah. Uh, so that, that, that was a, that was all her. So I, I wouldn't have thought like we could do that in Nashville, honestly. Yeah. But now all this is happening more and more, you know, I feel like uh, people are coming here because um, of the songwriters, you know? Yeah, definitely. It's you know. a huge thing now, people coming to Nashville to either write or to like record their albums. I mean, so many Nashville writers have got cuts on pop records, you know, people yeah. like Tyler Johnson and like yeah. even you look at like Mara Morris who writes with pop writers and look at look at how that goes. Yeah, that went pretty well. Yeah. yeah. Aaron's, <laughs> so good. She's yeah. unreal, you know. Uh yeah, yeah, that's she's a she's a world class star. So mm -hmm. that's glad everyone sees that because it's like she's just so dope, it's unreal. So Yeah. She she plays over here quite a bit and I I actually got to go to her before Girl came out. The she did like she you knew she did like the Taylor Swift things. Well, I got yeah. to go to one of them and I remember hearing that record and being like, That's it, she's done. Oh she my can God. retire. <laughs> I mean, how awesome! I, I RSVP. I have that like. Yeah. I love that song. It's yeah. so good. There's so many great writers on that, and it's like, uh, I, she's just so good. She'd be winning Grammys for the rest of her life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So definitely, like transferring to the pop world. Obviously, as you were saying, opened a lot of doors. Yeah. But do you still feel like? your country or do you want to explore that more and more oh uh, i i feel like yeah no no i'm definitely still a texas boy you know who who listen i when i have a couple whiskeys i want to jam george Strait yeah for like eight hours and call everyone and tell them how great this song is from 1989 <laughs> but no it, it really has like open you know like i said opened a lot of doors i always want to keep expanding writing just mm -hmm. as um i mean my whole goal i remember telling my, my last deal and my manager is kind of our mantras like we don't want to be like just really good or really great country songwriters we want to be really great writers yeah like i love to one of my favorite things and i've been working on it for a decade basically is being able to like write a leanne womack song and that same day, like, which it ha had happened, I had a Leanne Womack song come out the same day I had a EDM DJ Swedish song come out. Mm -hmm. So I just would love to navigate both of those worlds in a, and, you know, be able to go into like, cause I had love like, you know, being the lyric guy and going into like a hip hop room mm -hmm. and, uh, and just seeing what, how rappers do their thing. I, I'm just so, I get so obsessed with different kinds of music yeah. and it, there's something 
beautiful and creative in every community. And the people, like, you know, just going to London this last year, mm -hmm. just fell in love with everyone there. Yeah. Um, you guys just drink pints in the middle of the day, which is so dope. It's yeah. just the coolest thing ever. Um, I mean, and this whole this whole conversation has been really hard for me not to try to do an English accent. So. Well, it's all right. We haven't got much longer left, so you've got to keep it in. <laughs> um, right, so I'm going to, for people listening, I'm going to kind of just shout a few of the songs that you've written in the past two years that have come up. Um, sure. So Hopeless, Cassie Ashton, as we were saying, Leanne Womack, Bothman Barrel, Abby Anderson, Guy Like You, uh, Brandy Clark, Bad Car, and one of my favourite songs, Kelly Bannon, Boys Don't Cry. Um, oh, yeah. Love, love Kelly. So underrated, I think. She's so good. She's so great. So over, obviously, and so many more hits alongside those, but over the years, are there any kind of songs that have been cut or even haven't been cut? Any songs or experiences or rights that just stick out and you think, that was a really great day or that's a really great song? Yeah, no, uh, uh, I think I mentioned to you before, probably like the most memorable musical day for me was mm -hmm. uh, I got to write with, with Burt Bacharach. Yeah. And uh, I got to go to LA and uh, it was a, it was magical. Like, uh, and he does in a, uh, he does it like old school pop. Like I had to send him just lyrics, no, um, no music at all. He just asked me to say, you know, it was really cool. I, the first time we ever wrote, I had to fly out to LA with my publisher and just talk to him for a couple hours, sit in wow. his house in like the Palisades in California <laughs> and walk into a room with Oscars and Grammys and, you know, raindrops keep falling on my head, you know, all these <laughs> like amazingly historical songs, honestly, in a, and just kind of sit there and, uh, it was like two, I sat there with them for two hours. We talked about music. We talked about life. And uh, I went back to Nashville thinking, wow, that was the coolest thing ever. <laughs> and then he called my publisher and was like, I need him back here in two weeks. Can uh, he, have him send me a couple of songs. Um, and I didn't know what to do. I was like, do I learn how to play piano? Like, <laughs> do I, do I, uh, do I try to write what the world needs now is love, sweet love? I have no idea no idea um but uh but yeah no so my publisher basically is just like you just pretend like you're writing like a john legend song with no with no music mm -hmm. and uh so it was really cool it was a uh, i sent him lyrics i flew back out there he played it for me on the piano uh and uh then he left the room for like an hour and let me uh just have uh, have a moment with the music and what he had done with it and I just adjusted a few things it was just a, the coolest way to write it was kind of uh, not comparing myself to that but like Elton and Bernie like they yeah. one, did, one did lyric and one did music mm -hmm. and that's um, Bert did that with like his famous songwriter Hal David I think mm. and so he just doesn't uh, you know I asked him a question one day uh, while we were hanging out at his house and um, I was asking him about uh, some race horses that he had had, and I was like, "So, do you train these race horses?" And he goes, "Jason, I, uh, I don't train horses like I don't write my own lyrics." 
uh, and I was like, "That's fucking Bert. That's great." Oh, I'm sorry, I just said the F word. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, but uh, but he's it, it was a beautiful magical experience for me. Like I, uh, we left that day. My publisher came to pick me up from his house, and I had to just like pull over on Pacific Coast Highway and just was like, that just happened. He wrote a song, and, and you know that that was probably the most neat, like I've never been starstruck by anyone. Mm-hmm. And he's he was 88 at the time we wrote. Wow. And we, yeah. You know, it was an, it was unreal. Like he his piano playing is beautiful. It's like he's one of the greatest melody guys yeah. who have ever lived. So it was, it was really really cool. That is awesome. Um, so we well, unfortunately, I, the time has literally yeah. flown, but we're gonna have yeah. to kind of start to wrap things up. But yeah. just kind of, what have you got coming up? Is there anything you can tell us about? Any songs? Any collaborations? Yeah, uh, I'm hoping there's a yeah there's a few things. Obviously, bother Jimmy about that song because that thing's gonna happen. <laughs> uh, um, I, me and my buddy Todd, and actually we wrote a song with Cassie Ashton mm-hmm. that was like so super cool pop um, that um, it ended up feeling not too country, and Todd took it. So basically, we did, he, he pitched it to uh, L King. Oh, wow. Nice. And, and Elle came over a few, maybe a month or two ago. Well, maybe it was before the COVID stuff happened. She loved the song. So she put her vocal on it. It was, I've heard it since. I'm just really excited about that. Um, we don't know, obviously, we're just hoping good things happen with that. Yeah. Um, I've had uh, Banners is another guy from Liverpool. Yeah. Uh, he's a top guy that is just so incredibly talented. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a few things um, with him coming up. Um, trying to think of other, other uh, a few other things. A lot of pop things right now, but a lot of like you know, I'm Little Big Town still doing their thing with that record, and it's so beautiful. So I can't wait to see how wine, beer, and whiskey do. Yeah. And this thing like trucking with them in a Brandy's album is just great. Yeah. Well, I was lucky to be on that with her. So. Yeah, no, I'm trying. Yeah, there's there's a few, hopefully, some things in the fire that I'm like. Awesome. Lots to catch up on. And so before I I know you're going to sing for us and play for us, but I'm going to ask you my three questions that I end every interview with. I ask everyone the same three questions. They're based on threes. Um, So, firstly, three songs that you wish you'd have written. Oh, I love these kind of questions. Okay, yesterday, Beatles. Mm-hmm. Um, oh gosh, teenage dream. Yeah, classic. <laughs> and in, and in, and to go country, um, Marina Del Rey, an old an old uh, George Strait song, but still probably my favorite country song ever. Amazing. Um, and then three albums that you couldn't live without. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Oasis. What's the story, Morning Glory? Yeah. Um, Whiskey Town. Do you know all about Whiskey Town? I've heard it. Yeah. Oh, so good. Uh, that's my like driving album. Is a Whiskey right. Town Strangers Almanac. Is is a is Whiskey Town's a band. Strangers Almanac's the the record. And then, um, uh, honestly, love it so much. Nineteen eighty nine. No. Nineteen eighty nine is my jam. 
absolutely there's some there's some great great songs on there oh, some so, great songs yeah um so for anyone listening taylor swift record such a great one such yes yeah um, and then finally three writers i mean i know you've written with some greats but three writers that you haven't written with that you would love to write with oh, favorite all-time country music writer is this guy named bob mcdill um, I know the name. Bob is a, he, he, he quit, he's done with it, but if he ever wants to come out of retirement, I'm here, bro. <laughs> Let's do it. Um, Julia Michaels. Yeah. Julia is amazing. And back to country, I'd go, he's an artist, but he's a writer, obviously, Eric Church. Amazing. I think that guy's so good. Yeah, he's and again, he writes so many on his own that are just oh yeah killers. It's just so amazing. They are they are good answers. Thank you so much. And um, so as I said, we are going to have to wrap things up. So I will I will leave the floor to you. Um, but thank you so much for being a part of it and coming on and telling us the stories. It's been it's been great. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was it was awesome. I wish we had had more time to talk about England because it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, Come. well, when you're here next. Yeah. There we go. You can take me to Harry Potter world. I'm in. <laughs> there we go. Yes. So, um, yes, I will leave the floor to you, whatever you want to play. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's uh, make sure this guy's all good to go. Well, I'm going to attempt my version of Trouble with Forever. So, um, sorry to all the people who know how good Karen sings this song. She said forever's gonna be like this. Glass ring promising a shotgun kiss And blue jean smoke and backseat dreams Make kids in love believe anything She can't feel rain in July without thinking about it And he can't see top down old jeans without thinking about her. We love how forever begins. But the trouble with forever is it always ends. thought love was a pretty white dress. He thought the work was done. She said yes. And 300 people heard him say I do. But there was no one there when they said with her. She can't help sometimes wishing that they could start over. And he knows there's so many things that he could have told her. 
we love and forever begins. But the trouble went forever is it always ends? He holds her hand and she says goodbye. Fifty years in the blink of an eye As close to forever as you ever get The trouble with forever is it always ends The trouble with forever is it always ends